Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. It's so great to see you again online and house churches. So great to be with you. Uh, We have a a very special day today. I am super excited to have my dad and we're going to talk through stuff uh, today in in our part of the series. And I'm also excited that it's not on Zoom, but we're actually in the same room, which <laughs> is funny. really cool. Yeah. Miracles do happen. Yeah, it's, do. It's, it's quite amazing. And today we're actually going to go back into the Lord's Prayer. And what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time looking at how Jesus not only taught us uh, and gave us a beautiful model of prayer, but how he showed us in the prayer and how he uses it um, as an application for life and how we're supposed to live kingdom-minded in all wrapped up in in the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to go through some of that today um, and and talk through it. And Dad's going to be here to kind of walk us through the book of Matthew, actually, and how all of that ties up into the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus was trying to do. Um, But I'm going to start by just reading the Lord's Prayer, just to give you context for the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. And then Dad's going to share some thoughts and kind of take us through some of this time as we look at prayer. So... Again, we're going back through the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be taking just a different perspective of it today. So I'm hoping that you are you have your Bible, you have something to take notes with, and you're ready to just dig into God's Word this morning uh, and see what He has to say with us. But uh, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 9. I'm going to read this here. It's out of uh, the CSB translation. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So dad, walk through this with us. I know there's a lot in here and and like anything, Jesus doesn't just throw something out and there's a lot to it. So maybe walk through this, give us some thoughts on it. Sure. When we look at the gospel of Matthew, um, sometimes when the Sermon on the Mount, we look at it as a unit, and it's a big unit, and we take pieces out of it based on topics. But it's important for us, when you study any book of the Bible, that you see how it fits into the flow of the whole book. This is, in, in Bible teaching, it's what they call the context. And that is, the verses here in the book, for a reason. It's, there's a reason why it doesn't come ten chapters later. Mm-hmm. And so there's a reason it comes right here, because... It fits into the the scope and the sequence of what the author is trying to say in the course of the book. And so literally, in order to understand the Sermon on the Mount, you have to back up and say, what is Matthew trying to say? What's the big picture? You back away, you get the whole gospel, and then you zoom in, you'll be able to see how that one piece fits into the whole pattern there. And so this is developing Mm -hmm. the context, and this is what we're doing. So just to give you a little bit of framework, and this is to help you understand the significance of this, because Matthew is placed at the beginning of the New Testament, but Matthew is not the first book that was written. Hmm. Uh, Its placement at the beginning is not because of chronology. Mark was written before Matthew was, Hmm. so was Galatians and James. Hmm. But Matthew is strategically placed there because it acts as a unique connector now to the whole Old Testament. Hmm. The Jewish people, and Matthew is written to the Jewish audience, 
the Jewish people, their Bible was the Old Testament. Mm. And so they're listening to all the words of the prophets saying, this is what's going to happen in the future. God's going to send the Messiah and so mm. forth. And now the big question is, how does what Jesus said connect with all of that? Mm. Jesus isn't going to do something totally different. Right. He's going to come to fulfill what was spoken back there. So Matthew's job is to help us make a transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament to show how the New Testament fills in, hmm. how it fulfills those things. Because we'll see as you read the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus opens with these words, I did not come to do away with the hmm. law. I came to fulfill the law. Right. And so what I'm teaching you right now is just a continuation. So consider it this way, that Matthew is a bridge. It's a bridge hmm. between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Hmm. And therefore, it's going to carry some of the themes across, mm. important themes. Yeah. And that's what the content of the prayer is all about. Yeah. Uh, when you look at the book of Matthew, and anytime you read through a book of the Bible, when the author is trying to help you to see what his main themes are, what you look for, and they're little clues. Sometimes the author will come right out and say, the purpose of this book, the reason I'm writing it is this. But sometimes you can tell the purpose of a book because the author will use certain words over and over and over mm -hmm. again. And by repeating those terms or phrases, it's his way of saying, are you getting the point? Are you getting mm -hmm. the point? Are you catching it? And sometimes almost awkwardly, mm -hmm. you know, they'll throw, they'll throw a term or a phrase in so many times that you say, why did you say it that way? And he's saying, did you get the point? <laughs> and the point is this, it's the phrase, mm. it's the word, it's the idea that I'm trying to get across. So let's just build a little context here yeah. with Matthew. And I'll just throw out to you that this is one of the big themes of Matthew. It's kingdom. <laughs> kingdom. It's, mm. Kingdom is one of the, the biggest themes that you're going to find, not only in the Bible, but in the book of Matthew. Mm. Of all 66 books in the Bible, Matthew uses the term kingdom more than any other book in the Bible. Hmm. Wow. Over 50 times he uses the word king. And the phrase kingdom of heaven, which we read as we hmm. go through here, is used about 34 times. Only Matthew uses it. No hmm. other biblical writer uses it. Wow. Only Matthew does. Wow. And so whenever you read through the parables, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven, hmm. the kingdom of heaven. My th Matthew's just trying to say, did you get the point? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Yeah. Now, as I tell you what it is, it may be a little different than some of the ideas you have in your head about kingdoms, because you're used to earthly kingdoms with capital cities and armies and kings and everything else. But if you try to interpret my kingdom the way that you do an earthly kingdom, you're going to come up with a bad attitude yeah. and a wrong attitude. Yeah. And we know this is true because in the book of Acts, when Jesus is just getting ready to leave, the disciples, the last question that they asked, is it time for the kingdom of Israel to be established? And Jesus just shook his head. He <laughs> spent three and a half years with them. He says, that's for the Father to know. That's not for you to know. What you need to know is you're going to get the Holy Spirit, mm. and the Holy Spirit's going to give you power to be witnesses for me to the world. Mm. And right now, that's all you need to know because the kingdom of heaven is more about you walking in the spirit, you being witnesses for me, than whether Israel is going to become an independent wow. nation again. So kingdom of Israel versus kingdom of God. Hmm. And we've got to sort them out. Yeah. We've got to get them straight. I like too because I think that it's so applicable. And this is why we're doing this series, why we've been taking the summer to go over this, is because it is so applicable to right now. 
Like this is where we live. The same question is asked of us. Are we a kingdom of the world? Are we the kingdom of Boise, Idaho? Are we the kingdom of the United States of America? Or are we the kingdom, we're living according to the kingdom of heaven? And so I love that it's not just something that was written years ago for them, because it was, but it's so applicable to our lives right now. So it's still powerful. We see that so much in the newspaper now because people are demanding their rights as U.S. citizens. Well, what Mm. about our rights as citizens in the kingdom of God? Because the laws of God's kingdom are different than the U.S. Constitution. The laws in our land legalize things that the Bible condemns. Mm. So which one do we live by? Which kingdom is is supreme in our life? So, yeah, it's an important issue. Now, let's let's just go through the book and build a sequence and so you can get an understanding Mm. of it. Chapter 1 of Matthew, this is where we start. It starts with, a, and this is how your whole New Testament starts. It starts with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you can sit there and say, why do we start with a boring genealogy? So-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so gave birth to us. Well, Be we, honest, how many of you skip over that part when you're reading, reading the Gospels? <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, this is in our reading plan today. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be quick. <laughs> but see, the reason for a genealogy was not just to give you a list of names. The reason for a genealogy was to connect people together that were important. Mm. And in this genealogy, the two people that are being connected is Jesus, because that's how it starts. It's a genealogy of Jesus Christ and David, who is the king in Israel. Mm. So by connecting Jesus with David makes Jesus part of the royal family. He's Mm. got royal blood. He is a king. Mm. And so the genealogy is to prove his kingship. Mm. And you see it come in. Then you go into chapter 2. Chapter 2 is the nativity story and the wise men come and what do the wise men say? Where is he who's born king? They're looking for a king and they're not even Jewish. (laughs) But they're looking for this king and says, oh, we've been following his star for five months and and we come to find this king, you know. And Herod's sitting there, I'm the king. (laughs) Who's the king? talking about that. It's really bothering me right now. So then you see the birth of the king. So you got the genealogy of the king, you got the birth of the king. And then in chapter 3, John the Baptist comes along, who's Jesus' cousin. And John's message is this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) He's starting to preach the kingdom. He's not the king, he's Mm -hmm. just preparing the way for Mm -hmm. the king. Mm -hmm. And so he's going out and getting ready, and then one day he's preaching the kingdom, and up walks the king, and he says, the Lamb of God is going to take away the sins and Jesus said, you need to baptize me. He says, I need to be baptized, but no. He says, we got, we got to fix this, okay? we got to fulfill all righteousness. So you do it to me, and later I'm going to send my spirit, and he's going to finish what you talked about. Hmm. That's not your job. Hmm. That's, that's my job, but we got to make the connection, John. we got to hmm. do it. And so right after his baptism, and remember his water baptism, he comes up out of the water, and remember these words. He comes up out of the water and says this, the heavens opened, hmm. The voice came down, and the voice said this, This is my son. Mm. So whose voice is that? A father talking about his son. Mm. So you've got a father-son relationship. He says, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. You guys listen. And so the heavens open up, the voice of the father recognizing the son. He recognizes him, and he acknowledges what you're doing is really pleasing. And mm. then you see the very next chapter. Jesus is taken into the wilderness and he's going to be tempted. Hmm. No. The temptation of Jesus immediately precedes the Sermon on the Mountain. (laughs) And people treat him as separate events, but Hmm. they're not. Because once Jesus is declared to be the Son of God, 
and he comes now out of the water of baptism. The Father's recognized him. Now he's going to be tempted, and what he's going to be tempted by is things that you and I in the kingdom of God are going Oof. to be tempted by. Because he's a son of God, and what he faces is going to be similar to what you and I as mm. sons and daughters of God are going to face too. Mm. So why does the Bible record the temptations of Jesus? To show us how we handle it mm. when we get there. Mm. And so he goes out into the wilderness, and, he, and the, the enemy comes and says, If you're the son of God, he immediately addresses his relationship with God. Mm. If you're a son, then do this. Mm. And he tempts him in three very distinct areas, and I'll call you—I'll call them these. These are the temptations of the kingdom. Mm. These are things that the enemy will try to get us to do mm. to violate our relationship to the kingdom of God. Wow. And how I know that is how they conclude, because now he goes to the first one. And just remember them in order. The first one is: you're hungry. You've been fasting forty days and forty nights, so turn the stones into bread. So there's something about the temptations that has to do with your daily food, bread. Right. Oof. Keep that in mind. Remember that one. Remember that. So then he takes him to the temple, and he takes him up on the temple. Can I say this? <laughs> the second temptation of the devil will come by taking you to church, hmm. and he will tempt you by things in church, the house of God. Hmm. The temptation is not just out here somewhere. Hmm. The devil comes to church. He'll take you to the temple and say, do this, do this, do this. Wow. Wow. And so we realize he, he was trying to tear this whole thing apart. And wow. when that didn't work, then he takes him up to a mountain, and a tall mountain, and guess what he does? He shows him the kingdoms of the world. Now, this is a key point, because we're talking kingdom of heaven. And so the Satan is tempting him now to either make a choice. Are you going to live for the kingdom of God, or are you going to be attracted to the kingdoms of the world? Mm -hmm. And Jesus says this. He says, I am here to worship and serve God alone, mm. and I'm not going to fall prey to that kingdom because this is the kingdom I'm living for. Mm. And so he, he ends it off, he quotes scripture to him, and you see um, Satan leave him at that point. But then notice this, immediately after the wilderness, and this is what you see in chapter 4 <laughs> of Matthew, Jesus came out of the wilderness, and what's it do? He said he began to preach, and what he preached was the kingdom. Mm. He's just been tempted to violate what the kingdom is about. But only as he secures what the kingdom is about, now he can come out and begin to teach the kingdom. Wow. Why? Because he's got it settled inside wow. of himself. Wow. And so now he's ready to go, and he goes out, and the first great sermon that's recorded is the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. So what's the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount? It's to tell people, if you're going to follow me, and you're going to enter the kingdom, then there are certain things that you're going to face to be a kingdom citizen. Mm. I've shown you what they are, and I've showed you how to deal with them. So now let's walk through some of this. Mm. What does it mean to be living the kingdom in your relationship with your enemies, with your neighbor, with yeah. your families, with authorities that are out there, and so mm. forth? Because kingdom life has a totally different set of values than the kingdom of the world sure. is out here. Yeah. And so that's what the Sermon on the Mount really becomes. Mm comes down to as he goes through and walks through that. Mm, that's awesome. I find it really interesting about the second temptation, what you were saying, um, that the enemy tries to come and bring the temptations in church, sure. you know. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's really interesting if you look at our valley, um, there is a spirit of division. There's a spirit of uh, disunity. There is a spirit of, of hurt. Um, that so much has come out of history inside of the church. 
And so it's very clear to see, you know, this is where this is where the enemy can come and he tries to tempt us to disunify within the church with each other and with the kingdom of God. And it comes across in little things. It comes across in back talking. It comes across in, 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 or rather talking behind backs. It comes across in, in gossip. It comes across in, in things where we think that we have something, uh, we have something figured out way better than any is like somebody else. And so the devil strives to start to use little seeds of pride that cause us to have dissension within the church. And the temptation is real. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but in this season we're in, Man, that is just amplifier. If I look at the fact, you know, just just even the natural fact that we're not meeting in the same building, man, it is a playground for the enemy. Oh, he just played. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, little things. You probably experienced this where he comes and he just, he sows little things in there to get you um, disunified and get you upset and have little irritations with each other and irritations with leadership sometimes. And he just weaves all this in and I find it really interesting and I, I think it's so good what you said. The temptation is for us to get our eyes off of the kingdom and get our eyes on us and how we translate everything rather than saying, no, the kingdom of heaven is going to stand supreme even in our church, even in our church. So it's it's huge. So I, I think it's great. It sticks out in my mind to say, wow, we need to be really, really careful as the body of Christ, as the family of God, as as River Valley Church, man, we gotta be real careful yeah. to even be on guard against what the enemy tries to tempt and use to destroy sure. within the church. Look at the temptation itself. When Satan takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, he says this, jump off. Hmm. He says, because the Father in heaven, he will send angels now to protect right. you. And so the temptation is, you're so important that God's going to send all these guys down Mm. and you can be as reckless as you want or do whatever you want because you're so important. Mm. And that sin of self-importance is what divides people. Right. Wow. And you find that the thing that holds the church together is the attitude of servanthood because even as disciples, you know, they they were always arguing, who's (laughs) Who's the the best? Who's the best? (laughs) So Jesus would bring in a child and he says, this is what's great right. in the kingdom of God. And this just demonstrates the, the differences between values in the kingdom of, the, of God mm. versus the things that are important to us. Mm. And self-importance, I mean, my rights, what I want to do, I mean, just look at the news today. I, right. I don't have to wear the mask. I have my rights. I have to do all this. <laughs> and what's, you can tell what's the most important in people's life. Right. Me, my rights, my, yeah. rather than, and let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Let's read the very first words in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who don't think too highly of themselves. (laughs) Why? Because theirs is the kingdom. Yeah, wow. It goes down to the end. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted. They're picked on. (laughs) Why? Because theirs is the kingdom. So right after that, he says, the kingdom belongs to people who don't demand and scream. The kingdom belongs to people who are poor in spirit, the people who are picked on, and yet they maintain faithfulness yeah. to God. Yeah. So that's that's what kingdom people are all about. Mm. So he just goes through yeah. and he talks about it. And then he ends the Sermon on the Mount with probably one of the most famous verses of all, and that's, Seek ye first the kingdom mm. of God. Mm. Which means seeking all the ways that you live in the kingdom of yeah. God too. And if you seek first, then all these other things will be taken care right. of themselves. But you, you have to seek the kingdom and all its values right. are there. Mm. So that's good. That's good. Now when we go to the Sermon on the Mount, 
Uh, let me just read one verse, and it's in chapter 5, and this one verse is going to kind of set the stage for chapter 6, because chapter 6 is all about, in the kingdom, how do we do our religious practices? And if you open up the chapter, it says, be careful how you practice your righteousness. And so he's not talking mm -hmm. about social issues, he's talking about things you do as a part of your spiritual life, and so he's going to pick three. You're giving life, you're praying life, and you're fasting life. Mm -hmm. And he says, these are very sacred activities. They're things between you and God. Mm. But oftentimes we pollute those things by making sure people see us doing it so we appear to be religious. Mm. Mm. And so that's why he goes through and he said, don't do it like the Pharisees because they always want everybody to see them and recognize them. But mm. he says, do this in secret and your father who sees in secret will recognize them. The verse I want to start it off mm. with is clear back in chapter 5, verse 20. And it says this, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Which means what? It means unless you do a better job at this than the religious guys, you can't even get in. And you can imagine everybody saying, oh man, there's no hope. There's no way. We can't do it. Those guys are fasting two days a week. They're praying loud on the street corners. They wear special clothing. It's kind of weird, but they wear special clothing and everything else. And Jesus says, no, no. It's not a matter of trying harder, mm. it's a matter of doing it differently. Mm. They try real hard, but they're not doing it the right way mm. because they just want to be seen by people. Mm. They want public recognition. The whole thing is about you and your relationship with your scholar. They'll see you in your heart, they'll see you in your private life. Yeah. So you got to do better than they do. If mm -hmm. you ever resort down to living at this level, then guess what? That's not kingdom life, so mm -hmm. you got to do better. Mm -hmm. So then he takes us into the chapter 6 with this. And, he starts in verse 5 then, and Jason started reading in verse 9, and he goes down, and he starts in verse 5, and he says, when you pray then, you must not be like the hypocrites, because there are people who pray, but it's totally hypocritical. I mean, I was brought up in church, and I went to the midweek prayer meetings, and prayer was a competition on who could pray the holiest <laughs> and the loudest and the longest prayer, and I just... Well, I used to take coloring books. That was the only thing I could do. <laughs> you know. But again, it's just, how are you doing this prayer thing? You know? And so they, he takes through. And he wanted to make some simple comments about prayer. And so he tells him what not to do and everything mm -hmm. else. And then he goes down, and, and this is a key verse. And Jason didn't read. He started in verse 9. But I'm going to go back to verse 8 and start with this. He said, don't be like them. And he's talking about the, the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask. Mm. Now, here's an important point whenever you deal with prayer. Prayer is not to inform God of anything. Mm. And we get the idea that I have to say it loud or God may miss it or I, like they. I have to say many words because God will be impressed by my many mm. words or whatever. Mm. No, God already knows what you need. Mm. And so when we pray, we're not there telling God something he doesn't know. Right. For all general purposes, the primary purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not for God. Mm. It's for us. Mm. Mm. By praying this prayer, it forces us That's good. to keep our hearts in, in right relationship with God and so that That's we good. recognize I'm not in charge. I can't just snap my fingers and expect God to wow. bail me out every time, jump wow. off the temple. I can't expect to get everything I want. I've got to do it according wow. to the Word of God. Yeah. I've got to do that. So what this prayer forces me to do is, is sit back and say, I have to continue in my life a recognition. I'm the creature. He's the creator. Mm. I'm the son who was adopted into a family that's not my own. 
but by his love he adopted me in and if I don't keep my proper placement in there I will abuse it mm. I will think I'm more important than I am and so I'll think that ah, I don't sin and God says no you need to pray that God forgives because mm. you do sin right oh. right 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 <laughs> we go through it. and so he sets him up at this point he mm. sets him up going down now read through the prayer and listen to the language and Jason read it already our Father in heaven, now remember the baptism of Jesus. Heaven opened up in the voice of the Father. It's recognizing that he's there and it's recognizing where he's sitting. He's in heaven, we're here. And we've got to learn how to relate here to other people and to him, but we relate here based upon his rule up in heaven. So then he comes down in the second clause. He says this, holy is your name. Now that means a whole lot because the term holy means separate. And the minute we say that God is holy, what we're saying is he is different than what we are. Right. He is separate. And it, his name represents his whole character. So I can't think that God is just a big person with the same attitudes and everything. It says, I've got to keep God distinct from fallen humans. And I recognize that because that lets me know I've got to be distinct. You know, mm. Matthew says this, you be holy because he's in holy, which mm. means you have to reflect what he's wow. like up there. And then he goes down and says this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm. Now, at the beginning of every Lord's Prayer, we are asking God to make his kingdom a reality on earth. And that's the heart of it. We're mm. saying, please, let your kingdom come. And what that involves is your will being accomplished. Mm. Kingdom can only take place when people are performing the will of God. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And that's before wow. I ever ask anything. Yeah. The big thing is, God, set yeah. up your reign. You're the king. Yeah. It's your kingdom. I want you to do it on earth. Mm. And it's going to be different. Yeah. And yeah. boy, that's how every Lord's Prayer is. We just recognize that. Well, and, and the interesting thing, too, you know, this last week, the challenge was to pray the Lord's Prayer at the beginning yeah. of your day, right? To yeah. start your day just reading this out, if for nothing else, just to go through. And, and I think, you, you know, you would probably say that as you go through praying those two lines, um, when you really think about the, yeah. the impact of what those lines mean, it is life-changing and life-shaping, right? Um, your king, to really pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, um, you, you start to put that as a filter for every area okay. of life. And what's really interesting is then you start to look at your marriage and you say, your kingdom come, your will be done in, in my marriage, in my parenting, uh, in my finances, in my relationships, in my relationship with my employer, in my relationship with my employees, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think it's a really, really important point for us to realize that there is no separation between your kingdom come, your will be done and the rest of our life right. yeah. like we pray that over every area that's the filter with every area what's interesting though is that then when we start to live that way it really changes oh, it a lot of the way we live and some of you might have experienced this week where you start to say yeah i want your kingdom to come and in in how i treat the people around me and then the very first thing you ha happens is you run up against the guy who cuts you <laughs> off in traffic on the way to work, and you're you're yeah. you're not necessarily praying for his kingdom to come yeah. on that person, you know. But 
But it's really interesting how, how quickly we slide into the kingdom of the world because you know it's it's counter you start realizing how many little areas we have we have landed in and started to function in the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of heaven so when we start to pray kingdom of heaven your will be done here man it counters a lot of stuff and and i think it's a good thing for us to really take a, a, a gauge at to say how much of my life is really being um uh, really being lived kingdom of heaven focused versus kingdom of the world focused um it's sobering it it's sobering it's amazingly sobering and as you go down you'll see it i mean look at the prayer life of jesus and i'll, I'll say it this way and i'll use jesus as a backdrop the lord's prayer is a way in which we recognize the kingship of god and then we align ourselves to that mm. and that's very important because remember the great prayer of jesus in the garden of gethsemane mm. He says, it's not my will. Remember, the Lord's Prayer said, your will be done. It's not my will, it's yours be done. So even for Jesus, as a human, in his humanity, and yet he's divine too, but in his, in his humanity, he constantly has to flip over and align himself wow. in what he's about to face. Yeah. Say, I really don't want to go to the cross, right. but you know, at the end of the day, your will be done, which means only then can the kingdom be established. Right. And so when we play the Lord's Prayer, we're doing exactly what Jesus did, and that is he aligned himself to the will of the Father. Right. Us praying, and it says, Lord, I really don't want to do that. Right. That guy sure. at work really ticks me off. Yeah. But you said I need to love my enemies. Yeah. You need to say I need to do good to them and so forth. That's not what I'm used to. And God says, whose kingdom are you going to live right. in? Right. If you're asking my kingdom, then we have to learn to relate to it, which means right. surrender your will to mine. Yeah, yeah. And that is huge because, look, in the United States, we are so used to a democracy where we get to pick who the ruler is. Mm -hmm. We get to vote. We get to do that. This is not a democracy. <laughs> right. It's a monarchy. Yeah, yeah. And all the authority rests in one individual. He doesn't have the Senate and the Supreme Court and the House of Representatives. <laughs> All the authority is in the king. Right. If I pray this prayer, then there is nothing else to appeal to. Wow, wow. And we in the United wow. States do not understand living under a kingdom. Yeah, that's true. But the kingdom of God is that. Wow. And that's one of our biggest yeah. you know, mind adjustments. So how yeah. do we align ourselves to a monarchy you know, right. at this point as we go through? We talked about this before, too. We do not get the luxury of being our own authority. Oh, yeah. We talked about this a few weeks ago in one of the messages, right? And and many times that's what in the States we want to do oh, yeah. is yeah. I'll read it and I'll agree with it as long as I'm okay with it. But where it really the rubber meets the road is saying, yeah, okay, I, I really don't have any authority over my life. I, I have... I have nothing, right. and I think that's a that's a big deal. The the monarchy versus democracy that's a that's a huge shift um, in our thinking. And and if I can say it this way, in the states, it seems so suppressive. Oh, it does. You know, like yeah. oh, you're 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 telling me this is how I have to live. Oh, you're, yeah. No, you have a choice. You have a choice to either. Yeah align yourself to the kingdom of God and surrender to the will of the yeah. Father or not. And be his enemy. Right, exactly. And we all know how that goes. You don't have a choice to pick apart the parts of, of living according to the way Jesus said. We don't have that luxury. The only choice we have is, yes, I will follow it, or no, I won't. Sure. And so I think that that's a, that's a thing that is counterculture for us in the States is, is wow, I, I have to be okay with somebody else calling the shots for my right. life. 
Well, our history as a country started with rebelling against a monarchy. Yeah. We yeah. threw his tea in the harbor and said, forget it, we're not going to do it. Uh, and, and oh, that, no. <laughs> and that same mentality comes over. And, you know, yeah. the Bible never represents a democracy. It always mm. represents a kingdom with yeah. a supreme authority, a sovereign. That's over the top of it. Uh, we don't like that. No, no, we don't. <laughs> well, then as you begin to go through the, the things that Jason read them, remember the words. Give us this day our daily bread. Now remember mm. the temptations of Jesus. One of his temptations was bread. Now remember what Satan said. You tell the stones to turn into bread. You take care of it. Wow. Yet this prayer says, wow. you are my provision. It's yeah. not me taking charge yep. and doing it. It's me recognizing Oof. where I get it from. Wow. Where, you know. Yeah. And then he goes down and he says, you know, then he says, and forgive us our debts. You mm. know, and he goes on down. And then he is, lead us not into temptation. Now, remember when Jesus was on the, the pinnacle of the temple and, and Satan comes, you're so important, jump off and God's going to have to bail you out. What's Jesus' response? Don't tempt God. Hmm. Hmm. Sometimes you don't realize that, oh, this looks like, this would be cool to watch God bail me out. Is that, yeah. No, this is not going to end well. You know, God puts, Don't try this at home. God puts certain laws in effect, and one of them is gravity. You know, you jump off that, you know, you're going to show, you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But the whole issue, and Jesus dealt with it, don't tempt God. Mm. And how we tempt God with that second temptation is by thinking we're so important that it's he has to serve us, he has to take care of all wow. of our stupid decisions and so forth, but really we don't. Right. He says, oh, don't lead us into temptation because, see, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, what we realize is this, we as people do not have the strength in ourselves to fight the tempter. Mm. Jesus did. Mm. We're mm. weak. And Jesus could stand there and say, go away. Yeah, right. But how many times we just cave into it and we get one of these situations like this, we have to say, God, help me. Right. Because there's things in me that probably want to do what's wrong. Right. I'm not strong enough to do yeah. this. I need your help. Yeah. And then the last one down mm -hmm. there, he goes to the end, and it's how he concludes it. Mm -hmm. And it, some of your Bibles will say this was added in different manuscripts, but it's a legitimate part of it. It says, for years is the kingdom now mm -hmm. and the power and the glory forever. And remember mm -hmm. Jesus' last temptation. These are the kingdoms of the world. Wow. And Jesus says, no, yours is the yours kingdom. Is the yours is the power. Yours is the yeah. glory. I'm not going to be tempted by what's out there. And so can I say this, that the Lord's mm. Prayer addresses the three temptations of Jesus. Wow. The very things that his wilderness, if we pray the Lord's Prayer, it helps us to position ourselves in a way that we can handle those temptations by realizing this. I need the Word of God more than just my desires. Yeah. I need to now keep a proper opinion of myself to ward off the evil one. Right. And I really need to keep the kingdom of God in clear perspective versus the kingdoms that this world wow. has to offer. So it saves us. Jesus is teaching us how to do all that. And he says, this is how you pray. Do it better than the, the scribes and the Pharisees. This is how you do it. And this is kingdom life. Mm. Well, it's I think it's interesting because... Um, though I, I love what you're saying about the three temptations because I think those are the three temptations that we face. Oh, yeah. There's nothing different. Like what you were saying, it's self-reliance. Yeah. It's it's having an, an accurate self-estimation of yourself, humility versus pride, and then positioning yourself saying, do I serve a different kingdom than my kingdom yeah. or the kingdom of the world, right? But really it's yeah, our yeah. kingdom. Am I serving my kingdom? Am I building my kingdom? Or am I building the kingdom of heaven? These are the three things that we face on a daily basis. 
And I love that what you're saying, that that's how the, the, the Lord's Prayer addresses those three temptations. And it gives, I think, just listening to you, I think it gives really good light. Because I don't know if you've ever, ever asked the question before. I'm like, why were those the three temptations? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like of yeah. all the temp, why did the devil never bring a beautiful woman before right. Jesus? And oh, just, yeah. you know, why? Well, if you think about it, at the root of it, those three things deal with the root of humanity. Exactly right. And we go through the same things. Whatever face temptation has in our day and age and in your world personally, the enemy uses all kinds of faces for it. It's the same three things. And we have, and I love this hearing what you're saying, we have the antidote. We have the weapon to go against that in what God's given us in the Lord's exactly. Prayer. Exactly right. Yeah. And we have to see that. These three things are like our, our seeds or their roots. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of other things are related to these. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see like they offered in the kingdoms of the world. Well, that's include their splendor, their wealth, and everything else. And Paul to Timothy says the love of money, which is materialism, right. is a root. Yeah. It's a root of yep. all kinds of other, other things. And so self-importance and materialism or even personal desires and everything, those are the three big ones. And then there's all kinds of little adaptations and applications, but right. those are the three. And if we can learn how to handle some of those, yeah. you know, and that gives us a real grip on, on the major ones that are going to throw us. Yeah. Well, I just summarized the Lord's Prayer by this. I just put a little list. And these are by taking words and phrases out of the Lord's Prayer and saying, okay, Jesus is teaching us something. He's teaching us what we need in our lives. And what does the Lord's Prayer teach us? And these are the things, and Jason could you know, print these out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But number one is this, it establishes relationship, our Father. Mm-hmm. That relationship has to be there. Your dad, we're the children at mm-hmm. this point. Number two, it affirms now his distinction. You're in heaven, we're on earth. And so, you're up there and what you experience is very different up there. You have a, a far bigger perspective of things than we mm-hmm. do. We're locked into this little third rock from the sun, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But you're up there and your heavenly perspective gives you a real advantage. So it affirms that distinction. He's not just like the Greek gods who lives on Mount Olympus just down the road. He's right, just a right. big one of us and he's right. No, he's in heaven. Yeah. That's very different, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he says it recognizes his nature. Your name is holy. We constantly have to remember He is holy. Mm. The Lord is holy. The Holy One of Israel. That's the name that you know He uses over and over in the book of Isaiah. I'm the Holy One. Don't look at me like idols. I'm different than that. I'm separate mm. from that. You know, and so He mm. keeps that distinction. And then the other things, and they're all recognitions. We recognize His nature. Mm. We recognize His jurisdiction. Yours is the kingdom. Right. That's yours. It's not mine. Right. Okay. We recognize His sovereignty. Your will be done. Mm. It's not my will. It's yours be done. We recognize that. We recognize his provision. Mm. You're the one who provides. Mm. And Jesus made it so clear in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at the birds. God takes care of the birds. He'll take care of you. Look at the grass of the field. He makes it beautiful. He'll take care of you too. The provision comes from him. And then we recognize his role as judge. Forgive us. Because whenever I sin, I have to clear it up with you because yeah. mm. like David when he sinned he says it's against you that I've sinned mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I have to realize God now he has the right to judge sin because he's holy and because he is the potentate he right. is the extreme authority and sometimes we like God to be our, our daddy we like him to be our <laughs> friend he's also the judge of the universe yeah. Yeah. 
and I have to bring my faults before him as much as it might be awkward. I have to come yeah. forgive us and so forth. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, which means this, I need to recognize that the way that may seem easy for me to go is sometimes different than the way. And I have to say, don't let me go that route. Let me go this way. Right. Sermon on the Mount says this, broad is the way that leads to destruction, right. but narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. Help me find the path of life. Help me lead me. Don't yeah. let me go the easy way, as it were. Or as Gandalf says, there are the easy ways and the right ways. <laughs> <laughs> Great wisdom. Uh, Great and wisdom. Then, and then at the end, he said, we look at his protection, and that is when he says, we recognize his protection. Deliver us from the evil one. Mm. The minute we think we're stronger than the devil and that we got this, mm. we've deceived ourselves. Yeah. Yep. And I, I tell my students at college, the most perfect humans outside of Jesus, the most perfect humans in their innocence couldn't handle the devil. Yeah, wow, wow. And we've got a sinful nature. <laughs> if Adam and Eve couldn't handle the serpent, wow. we can't handle him wow. either. Yeah. And so our prayers have to be, God, yeah. if you don't deliver me, I'll do what I do real well. Right. I'll sin, I'll rebel, yep. and we have to recognize our, our weakness. And so yeah. it just keeps us humble. It yeah. keeps us in a, a good, clear perspective with God, and mm. that's what the prayers are all about. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.